I believe that a greater power is guiding us and that part of how we can tap into that is through allowing ourselves to trust that finer level of feeling, that intuitive feeling. I'm in a tough spot. I'm having a little bit of a breakdown. Things do not go, are not going as planned. However, there is still a lot of good in my life. And every time my brain would go to that place of my friends are all excelling, I'm falling behind, I'd feel it for a second and then I'd go, okay, but let me name a few things that actually are good in my world right now. What are a couple things that I'm proud of myself for? And this became my daily practice. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and a Good Vibe. How are you doing today? I hope that right now in this moment, you do a little check-in with yourself. You know, I think that especially when we're moving a mile a minute in our days, it can be so easy to just not ever check in with ourselves. And I think in doing so, you know, you can really honor what's coming up, what parts of you you maybe need to nurture into, lean into, and then create the space for yourself to do so. So it is my intention that you do that today. It doesn't have to be right now, but maybe you do it after you listen to this episode, but just make sure that you're constantly you know, just doing little self-awareness check-ins with yourself because that will serve you so abundantly on your abundant life journeys. And on that note, I am very excited to present to you guys this special episode that I had the pleasure of recording with Jesse Israel. Now, Jesse is quite the abundant and special human. He is a social entrepreneur, a meditation leader, and former record label executive, known for founding the mass meditation movement, The Big Quiet. Jesse has signed multi-platinum bands like MGMT, but now leads some of the largest meditations in the world, teaches meditation to next generation leaders, and speaks at Fortune 500s and colleges. At the start of 2020, Jesse was invited to go on tour with Oprah Winfrey to speak and lead mass meditations at sold out arenas throughout the US. Jesse's work has been featured in the New York Times, Vice, Vogue, Fast Company, GQ, and the Wall Street Journal. Jesse truly is such a legend. And I was so beyond blessed and grateful to get the chance to, you know, really sit down and connect with him on such a personal and deep level. You know, he is such a beautiful, way of storytelling and just making you just so captivated by the words and the stories and the lessons and the wisdom that he shares. And in today's podcast episode, you're definitely going to want to listen to this over and over again, because I truly know I am. And I was so lucky enough to, to be able to sit down with him and have this conversation because I've done hundreds of interviews and I must say, I'm not just saying this, this is probably one of my top favorite conversations I've had to date. I don't even wanna make this intro go super long because I just want you guys to soak in this episode for the beautiful, beautiful conversation and episode that it was. I know it's gonna leave you and serve you at any stage of life that you're living in because the themes, the conversations, just the lessons and the abundant amount of wisdom that Jesse shared in this episode is gonna hit. It's gonna serve at whatever part you're at in your journey and just beyond grateful to have this platform and this medium to share it. So if you get value from this episode, it would mean the world if you can share this episode with a friend. You know, I think we're all navigating through life the best way we can and these types of resources and and people who share so vulnerably and authentically can truly help so many so it would mean the world to myself i know jesse would love it if you could share this episode to a friend you think would love the episode and moreover you're getting value from this week's episode screenshot your phone on whatever platform you're listening on and tag at jesse israel and tag coffee and good vibe on social because we would love to see that you're enjoying this podcast now i'm gonna end it here because you're just gonna want to put this episode on repeat please enjoy this beautiful conversation that i had with the one the only jesse israel so welcome jesse to coffee and a good vibe i feel like we've been having good vibes and some barcode and we had to press record because our conversation already is so good i'm stoked to dive into all things about you but thank you so much for being here today thanks for having me in your beautiful home 
Feels good on this white couch. And um, the beach linen, actually. My beach linen. Yeah. So it's Josie, the okay, LA local, you live like down the street, basically. Mm-hmm. Tell us who you are. Give the people a little bit of background on the abundant human that you are and the work that you're doing today in the space with your brand and your businesses and a little bit of a, you know, some action into your past. Mm, yeah. Grew up in Los Angeles. Oh, I didn't actually know that. I thought you were yeah. from New York. Yeah, grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, I was born C-section. What? Yeah, out of my mom's stomach. What? Do you want me to start there? <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> the fun facts. <laughs> um, moved to New York to go to NYU when I was a freshman. Started a record label with my sophomore roommate at the time. We were both mm-hmm. 20. Had no idea what the hell we were doing. We started... Signing, we, the first band we signed was a, a band called MGMT, who at the time was a, like a little college band. I love MGMT. Yeah, that's Time co- to pretend. Yep, yep. Um, we wound up making a little dorm room record label to mm. s- release their music, and they took off. And we had this really cool journey of making sense of the music biz while we were also students. Yeah. Um, along the way, learned about the importance of meditation because of how burnt out and mm. the kind of um, intensity of panic attacks I was having at the time, you know, my early 20s. And then that p- planted in me, it showed me that there was this incredible practice that anybody could do, but that a lot of people didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And as I continued to practice throughout my time in the music biz, I started to feel this calling to take what I learned about promoting bands and throwing concerts and apply it to creating awareness for meditation and wellness. And that led me into my next chapter, which was starting the Big Quiet, which is a mass meditation movement. We gather thousands of people at a time for moments of quiet and culture, Mm -hmm. really special places. Um, So the past eight years or so of my work has really been around the Big Quiet, gathering people for meditation, talking about the power of quiet um, and meditation and mindfulness working with leaders, working with rappers and celebrities mm-hmm. on this type of stuff. And, um, and really just honing in on that sweet spot of where popular culture and wellness come together so we can create more access for all humans. So that's, you know, that's, that's me on the work side. Yeah. Um, you know, me, on the, me outside of the work side <laughs> is I take piano lessons every Tuesday at 4.30. I do boxing every morning, 7.30 a.m., I love riding my bike. Right now I have a, um, a little swimming club. We meet every Wednesday. We jump in the ocean together. It's called Dip Club. <laughs> I want to talk um, about Dip Club later. <laughs> I have an amazing woman in my life, my, my girlfriend, Melissa. I see my mom, dad, and my sister every weekend mm-hmm. for a meal. As you know, that's, 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 that's like the, that's the wow, gist of it Wow, your goals. Right <laughs> you can look up goals and the picture. It's your face. And now I feel like I, well, there's so much to dive in on. Like that is so beautiful and wholesome and every layer of that i think there's so much to unpack and i want to kind of go back to the beginning you know when you were at nyu and you are like what you what you did you like built a record label like that is a huge feat at that age and even like from that leaving that i want to go there because i think that like within my own journey personally i'll speak from my own experience I've noticed, you know, being young, like 20, being like, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to start a PR agency. I'm going to rep. Like you have these big dreams. And then I think we're going to go into like, obviously developing the, the belief in ourselves to do it. But then also like jumping into doing the thing, you know, and building this whole identity around yourself with your work. That's kind of like a realization I've recently had being like, wow, who am I? Cause I am not my work, but I've identified myself as this entrepreneur, this hustler, this person who represents these big brands mm. and you work so hard to do it. So, you know, that leap that you took into the big quiet, how did you even begin to do that? Because I feel like with the success you had, you probably were like, I am the person who built this empire. Mm. Yeah, it's true. And I really love the thoughtfulness of this question Mm. because it's this thing that I think happens to us subconsciously. We don't realize it, but so much of our identity comes from the work that we do. 
Yeah. So, you know, what, what happens if suddenly that work stops or what happens if we decide to, you know, leave that career? What does that mean for the people that we are? Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, they were such formative years. My, my record, me doing my record label was 20 to 29. So, so much of me making sense of the man that I was, was in those years and really identifying with that business. And along the journey, probably three years in, when I first started to experience pretty debilitating anxiety, it was the first time I was faced with this really interesting kind of juxtaposition of, I've got this cool business growing that people think is, you know, exciting and sexy. you're probably rewarded so much by your peers throughout it. There was a lot, there was a lot of that because the band MGMT that we signed took off and other bands we worked Mm -hmm. with did well. So the juxtaposition of that blended with how unwell I felt inside. And it didn't make Mm -hmm. sense because I had this cool thing and I was super grateful for it. Um, But, um, but I'd get home at the end of the day and I would just look ill. And I, I you know, I just, I felt, um, I think like the, just the, the stress and the level of intensity that I was mm-hmm. experiencing was so uncomfortable, but I didn't feel like it was something that I could talk about with my peers. You know, at the yeah. time, at that time, I felt like, you know, for me, I looked at all these other people who were just all in on their work and were really building their identities around their work. And there wasn't really much room for anything else. So I was like, oh, that's the model. That's, that's what I'll do. Yeah. So there was this part of me that wanted to challenge that, I think. And there was a part of me that, you know, was, was, was interested in who am I beyond work? I wasn't quite ready to fully, you know, lean, in, lean into yeah. it and face it. But meditation brought me into this, this deeper place of starting to just, as some of the anxiety and stress cooled off, I was able to start to look a little bit more into who am I as Jesse the man? Mm-hmm. Not just as Jesse, the record label guy. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting to, you know, start to play around with that and, you know, so and, ex- cool. and explore that. And the, for me, the more I had my daily practice, for me, my yeah. practice really meditation twice a day. Um, the more I had that, the clear, the more my intuition started to speak up, right? Mm-hmm. The more I could feel this sort of gut pull. Yeah. And the more I practiced my daily silence, my, my daily quiet practice, the more I was able to actually trust what that intuition and gut said mm-hmm. and let it lead me into wherever I was going. And I reached a point where if I didn't honor that gut and mm-hmm. I try to suppress it, it would feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. So I, I reached this point where it was so clear inside of my heart and my gut that it was time to leave that music biz and go figure out what that next thing was. Mm-hmm. Knowing that it was gonna be really challenging, knowing that it was gonna really do a number on my identity, mm-hmm. but also knowing that nature's intelligence speaks through us, through our gut, mm-hmm. through our intuition. I believe that a greater power uh, is guiding us, yeah, and that it. part of how we can tap into that is through allowing ourselves to trust that finer level of feeling, that mm-hmm. intuitive feeling. And, you know, it's, it's easy to say this, but the reality is it's also really easy for the brain to kick in and say, you can't do that because of this, that, 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 that. But for me, it was so strong in my gut that I said, I'm going to go for it. And I just fully reset. I didn't know what I was going to do next. And that made it really tough, but I knew it was what my next step was. I knew it was what nature's intelligence was telling me to do. Mm, That's so beautiful. And like, I always speak about that on my solo podcast because that's how I've been able to like navigate through the world and make decisions. It's always through listening to my higher self. And I've been really marinating on this one statement that I always say and I like keep referring to it and it's in stillness I receive. Mm. And I've been like like, telling other people, like I work with talent and they're very like, in this world that you dance in, it's a lot of events and being on for people and social media. I'm like, in stillness, you receive like great space. I've been like saying this to everyone because it's so profound when you start to like even entertain that space, all the answers are there. And even though when it's so scary to take that leap, you just have this infinite inner knowing that it's just gonna work out. And it's just somehow, some way. And when people tell you probably, cause I know uh, my family, I'm so close with them. And my mom, like when she gives me her opinions, I know it's all from love. Like 
she she's the one who and she'll say it to this day and laugh about it like if it was up to her i would never have moved from my small town outside toronto to la if i listened to her and she jokes about it now <laughs> like oh imagine if you listen to me you never <laughs> and it's funny but it's like yeah unless you kind of like strengthen that voice and an inner belief in yourself and create that space no, no, none of this would manifest and happen but in your journey you know for someone listening who is just even trying to like start their journey with meditation and deepening their solitude practice and the relationship with themselves what would you say to even entertain it because it seems like too back then when you were opening up this whole portal um i don't think you did you have anyone who was like jesse this is how you meditate this is how you can do it like <laughs> How did you start? Because it's been a profound practice and I'm sure your practice today is very evolved from how it started. I first, I, so I learned from different teachers. Mm -hmm. First, I went to the Shambhala Institute, which is, you know, a non nonprofit organization that had chapters throughout various parts of the US and, you know, tried different practices. Yeah. This is, the meditation apps weren't out yet. They were about to come out, but they weren't out yet. Mm -hmm. And um, I ultimately learned about Vedic meditation which comes from the Vedas, its lineage is rooted in India. And I met a teacher named Light Watkins and he taught me how to practice Vedic meditation. He gave me a mantra. Wow. And um, I started practicing with that twice a day. And it was so transformative for me, you know, it brought me so mm -hmm. much relief. For people that are listening and interested in similar way to learn this practice without being in person, I recommend an app called One Giant Mind. It's the number one giant mind. Wow. And it's a free and great way to, to learn a similar technique. But yeah, for me, I learned in person. So having, having that teacher, having that guide was important. And I think when people are interested in starting, if, even if it's just a couple minutes a day, having a teacher or having a respectable app that can help show people how to do the thing is really important. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's very easy to go to that place of, I can't get my mind quiet. I suck at meditation. It's not for me. It's a thing I hear most from people. Yeah. And the reality is that that's going to be the case for most of us. Like just being able to stop our minds is mm -hmm. not realistic. So learning that meditation can be more about, and that there are practices that go beyond quieting the mind, yeah. that there are other ways to go about it is really important to give ourselves that permission. Um, but you know, one thing I'll say is my practice hasn't changed that much over the, you yeah. know, almost 15 years I've been meditating. You know, it's 20 minutes twice a day, sometimes a little more than 20 minutes. Um, the mantra that I use that mm -hmm. I think in my mind when I practice, that's evolved. I've gotten new mantras over the days, but I still have meditations, plenty of meditations <laughs> where my mind's wandering the whole time. Yeah. And that's totally fine. And I still have plenty of meditations where I go really deep. My mind gets very quiet and that's great too. Morning, night meditation. like I do which... every morning and then I do in the afternoon or early evening. And then silence, like, do you just, what's your space? What's the vibe? How do you set the vibe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for my, the style of meditation that I practice, mm -hmm. we don't need perfect quiet. You know, mm -hmm. I, I used to do this practice when I lived in New York. Yeah. I would sit on the subway when there was, you know, chaos around me. <laughs> and I would go very deep in my practice. You wow. know, I've, I used to, when I first got into meditation, when I was running my record label, mm -hmm. I would be, you know, backstage at a festival like Coachella and I would go off to the side and I would sit and I would meditate while there was, you know, seven or eight stages blasting music and drunk people with VIP wristbands running around and all of that kind of madness and energy that you see. And I would be there and quiet. So for me, it's just like, it's always been about how can I bring that quiet to wherever I am and not mm. need it outside of me? Because of that mindset, I do feel like I can meditate anywhere as long as I feel safe. So for me in the morning, it's in my bed or I have a chair that I really like. And then the afternoons, I usually meditate on my couch, but if I'm out and about, like today after this podcast, I haven't gotten my second meditation in, yeah. I'll probably go do it in my car wow. before I drive 20 minutes come out of the meditation, reset, ready to take on the weekend, feeling good. I love that <laughs> yeah. so much. Do you ever feel off when you don't do these practices? It's a non-negotiable, but do you ever feel, do you, I know you're probably so involved where you don't miss a day, but has there been something where you, you've missed a practice and do you feel it right away or? It's noticeable for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And just to be clear, it's like, uh, yes, I practice twice a day, but there's probably mm -hmm. like one or two days a week where I only do the morning. 
Okay. I'm not like, you know, there's two meditations a day, seven days a week. I'm not like 14 mm-hmm. out of 14 meditations every week. I'm probably like somewhere between like, like 11 and 12 out of 14 every week. So yeah. I think it's also really important for us to be easy on ourselves and realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I get, always get at least one in. And if, yeah, it's been a while since I've missed not meditating at least once. But I definitely have my practices that go beyond meditation. And when I fall out of rhythm with them, it's noticeable for sure. Mm. I think when something is so good for the body, right? It's like, it's the same as sleep. It's the same with meditation. When something's so good for the body, if we miss it or we fall out of routine, the body is going to respond. The body knows when we get a shitty night's sleep or if we just like don't sleep one night, we're out doing our thing, the body feels it the next day. And I think that's, that's a really healthy response for the body to keep us in check. So with meditation, my body knows how good it is, how replenishing it is of rest and mm-hmm. how much it helps my internal mental state and then beyond. So if I miss it, my body will give me those little nudges. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's so profound too because the more you, you create that practice, I'm sure it serves you so much on every front with your relationships, with your decisions and just every way possible. And I kind of want to go into, you know, the big quiet. How did the business emerge? Like you had the the deep awareness of like the pivot. I'm going to pivot into my purpose and this is my true purpose. This is what I want to do. Where did you begin? Like how did that journey uh, evolve into what it was? Because you shared stages with Oprah. You've gotten so much success and light from it. And also like, yeah, you've got the same type of like, acclaimed like you know society all the love you got the same thing with the new venture of that's right that's right um so how did that take off yeah 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 so i mentioned how i was meditating throughout my time in the music biz and how helpful it was yeah and it was actually at music festivals when i would be doing my thing taking my little meditation breaks when other people in the industry would would start to come up to me and ask me what i was doing sometimes other music managers or label people, mm-hmm. sometimes even musicians. And we started to do these little little group med- meditations at festivals. That's so cool. And it felt, really, it felt really meaningful to share quiet with people from the industry while surrounded by so much literal noise. Mm-hmm. And it just started to seed in me this interest that I was seeing, which was that busy, successful, self-starter, active people, wanted permission and space to get quiet if they wanted that at festivals i figured they probably wanted that anywhere mm-hmm. and at these little festival meetups sometimes people would share with me what they were going through other people in the industry would share with me what they were going through and i realized shit i'm just i'm not alone in this stuff you know yeah. the, the the self-doubt the fear you know the scarcity that would come in so often and still does sometimes. Um, other people were feeling it too, but none of us were talking about it. So when I realized, holy shit, I'm not going through this, mm-hmm. this internal stuff alone, it was really validating. So I said to myself, I wanna figure out how I, I can start creating this outside of music festivals, how I can start you know, just experimenting with little group meetups mm-hmm. where we get quiet and then we talk about real stuff. So I did an experiment and this is why I, I, for anybody that's listening, that's maybe interested in starting something new or exploring a career transition or is feeling that intuitive pull yeah. to do more or to do something different. I always love recommending that people experiment, try little projects with low expectation and just see how it feels. And that's yeah. what this was. It was, I invited maybe 20 friends to my buddy's place in Soho. We meditated together. And then when the meditation was done, I shared honestly about where I was at. And this was right around the time I was transitioning careers Mm. and really just kind of put it all on the table. It was really, it was really my first time being vulnerable with people from work (laughs) because we were out of work. We were at my buddy's apartment. I felt like I could do that. But um, other people, you know, when I finished speaking, other people chimed in and other people shared what they were going through. And it was so interesting to see the people that I looked up to so much in work other people like you said that were getting all that love from the external world you're successful you're crushing it major posts on social media lots of money being raised to hear people like that also communicating 
those internal challenges and those fears and that that it, a lot of it for people I think is around self-worth and comparison. So I remember just hearing that and seeing that and being like, whoa, there's a real need for there to be space for active people to slow down and get quiet and then check in and talk about real stuff and support each other. And that was it. And to do it in a way that felt accessible. That wasn't necessarily at a yoga studio or, you know, within more of a wellness context. Yeah. It's my buddy's loft. You know, I was, I was still a guy that was, you know, had, had been throwing concerts and, you know, had a cheeseburger club and loved tequila and rode my skateboard everywhere and was into meditation and was opening yeah. up circles to talk vulnerably. It was this sort of blend of like being modern and having wellness come together. Mm. This was eight years ago and wellness wasn't as much in the culture. So it still felt more esoteric. Yeah. So I was, I was really lit up by like, how do we, how do we bring those two things together and do that in a way that feels, you know, authentic and accessible. And it started with those 20 people. And after we did that first meetup, I asked people what they liked about it and, you know, things they might change, mm -hmm. you know, little feedback and just listened. And, you know, what I heard was that there was a real need for space like that. Like people really wanted that. So that was enough for me to go, all right, I'm, I'm going to keep offering this. It felt good. It felt exciting. Mm -hmm. So I kept giving myself to that need. And another thing I'll pause for a second, say for anyone that's listening, that is considering a, tra a, cha uh, a change yeah. or a transition that, you know, when we're able, and this actually applies to people who feel good in their current careers too. Whenever we can get clear about what the most pressing needs are, what are those things that, that people are really looking for support around? Mm -hmm. Things that are said, maybe things that are unsaid, and how can we best position ourselves to use our gifts and to use our talents to serve those needs? My belief is that nature supports that. And that that thing will grow as long as you're connected to the need and the why behind it and how it aligns with your gifts. So that's what it was for me. You know, I loved community building. I loved leadership. I loved storytelling and sharing vulnerably. I loved quiet and I could see what the need was. So I just followed that. I had no, absolutely no idea what a business model would look like. Literally, I mean, I was living off of a few months of savings I had for my label and that's what I followed. And there was that strong intuitive pull, like yeah. we mentioned. And then from there, we watched it grow to, you know, the, our five-year anniversary, we were on tour with Oprah. And I was guiding meditations in arenas of, you know, 17,000 people. Mm. Um, and I believe that when those things are lined up in the way we've discussed, that's what happens. Mm, that's so beautiful on every level from like the beginning with your vulnerability it's almost like your vulnerability gave everyone else permission to to be vulnerable and open up and it takes that so much courage like your whole journey it was so much courage and self-awareness to even have that like uncovering of like this is my gift this is what i like to do mm. this is what lights me up this is what doesn't and moving in that way of what feels good the universe god whoever you believe in opens up the pathway yeah you know and yeah. it's so crazy because i think about that all the time with mm. things that i want to do and create in the world all the time like even with these events that we were talking about before and i've talked about them in my solo podcast because i grow so much from them they're so they like there's so much i've been learning through that process of like i love to connect people i love to create these spaces and then um like the last one really burnt me out. Yeah. Like not the, not the Malibu, the April one, it burnt me out so much where I like lost that connection. And I'm so self-aware and I journal and create space for myself to like look within if something's off or why I feel off. And I was, I know exactly the why I felt so disconnected from it, but it, I started this whole platform because it makes me, like I love to just connect and do it from like such a heart centered place. Even with the podcast, like I feel like you know, you love to do it, so you just do it because you don't care about the money. And I always think when people start thinking logically almost of like, oh, where's the ROI from this decision? Like me connecting all my friends in an apartment in Soho, like it's it's this much time and energy to do all that. Like how much money, like when you, it makes you lose everything from like the heart and the intention. And then you can't let the blessings almost unfold. Mm -hmm. It's so profound because even like 
with my last trip to New York, uh, a lot of opportunities opened up to create um, one of these like events um, with just on a silver platter almost, like the same experience I did in April, the same venue offered to do it for me, for like to just use the space. Like it's almost like when you are aligned to your mission, the the portals will open, the doors will open, but you, you have to meet the, the universe halfway and take that action and you did that and everything started to open up and how did Oprah find you? Like I would, I feel like the listeners would love to hear that too. Like you started taking the action, you started connecting people, listening to what, listening and feeling into the needs and the gaps and creating that environment. And I'm sure you had the best people be just gravitated towards you. Like even with the team, like I'm experiencing that with hiring, I'm like, I just ask and then I receive and like the coolest people will come in. Like even with today, I was like looking for some support cause I had someone who always shoots the helps shoot and she had a car issue. And then like you ask and you receive and it's always like the greatest people that can come in and, and support you. So how did Oprah find you? How did that like open up that portal? Yeah. So the, 20 people who were there at that first mm. meetup uh, led to 30 people at the next meetup. Mm. We were doing them every month. And by the fifth or sixth month, we had hundreds of people squeezing into my buddy's place for these, for these meetups. Wow. So I made a, a little pitch to a board that I was on, the City Parks Foundation in New York. They have um, a summer stage. Summer stage is this... Um, festival series in 18 of the parks throughout New York. So I made a little pitch to the board and said, hey, I've got this meditation community that's growing. Maybe we could do a mass meditation on the main stage at Central Park, which is this legendary venue right in the heart of Central Park yeah. where the greatest bands play at every summer. Yeah, I remember last summer there was like a huge, for free. Yeah, they're free. They do it for free they're in free, the park. exactly. Yeah, so they said yes. They gave us the venue and they also provided wow. us with, I think, 50 staff. And um, it was just on us to like figure out the programming and promote mm -hmm. it. So it was really cool to see, again, like what you described, some of that alignment, some of that kind of flow coming in. And that event went really well. And it was the community. It was that, that initial meditation community that was coming up my buddy's apartment that... Um, made that event happen. Everybody stepped up and played a different role to help get the five boroughs of New York to come together for this mass meditation at Central Park. So I was also reminded in that moment of the power of community. And when we can create things that really allow people to feel like they play a role, to feel like they're useful, mm -hmm. that they can give themselves to this thing, even if it's, you know, checking tickets or wearing a shirt that says, ask me questions about meditation and just having yeah. combos with people that, you know, people just want to be a part of, of something meaningful. Um, so I do feel like I, have, I, I want to shout out the, the big quiet community in the very early days, because like that is such a big part of how it grew. One year later, after we were getting all of these requests to bring the big quiet to these great spaces. So cool. That's so cool. <laughs> we decided that we would turn it into a business because we were donating all the money we made from ticket sales um, to organizations that we wanted to support. But um, we were volunteer based and it wasn't sustainable. Um, I was also running out of money from, you know, not, not being salaried from mm -hmm. having left my label. Uh, I was already over a year in at this point from being gone. Um, so we decided we'd make it a for, a for profit business. And in doing so, I was able to hire uh, a few people part time. That's when we were able to start to think more seriously about our events. And we, we were able to ticket them and start to bring in brand sponsors. And you know, we were able to continue to find out ways to make sure people could come if the events yeah. were expensive, which sometimes they could be. But um, it continued to grow. Actually, once we monetized it, once we said, hey, we're charging, there's a price for this thing that we put so much work into, it actually grew. I believe that people really value People see value when there's money exchange. Yeah. So it's actually a really important, show up important thing we do. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. A lot more people showing, actually showing up. <laughs> uh, I think, when, you know, we've seen when we have free events, we get about a 50% no-show rate. Mm -hmm. um, and when it's charged, that number goes down. So, um, 
but anyways, yeah. So it'll, it, it allowed us to, to start to think of the big quiet more like a, a, almost like a somewhere between a band and a startup. So we started touring the big quiet. I knew about touring mm-hmm. from my time in the music industry. So it was kind of beautiful intersection. And um, we got to work with some pretty incredible people in the music business who mm-hmm. work with uh, great bands to help us tour the big quiet. And it was wow. in a tour stop in Chicago where we were at the Museum of Natural History doing a 500 person mass meditation in front of the largest dinosaur ever discovered, the bones of the largest dinosaur ever discovered. And um, Oprah's team happened to be there and they liked the experience. And Mel, uh, Oprah's one of Oprah's producers, um, approached me afterwards and wow. asked if I'd be open to you know, bringing a taste of the experience on, on tour with Oprah to the, the, uh, the first tour stop of Oprah's 2020 Vision Tour, which uh, was going to be in Fort Lauderdale the start of 2020, in Jan- January, start of 2020. And I jumped on board and had this incredible moment where they gave me 30 minutes on stage in the arena, 10 minutes for a keynote, 10 minutes to guide a meditation, and then, and then 10 minutes in conversation with Oprah on stage where she asked me questions on the spot wow. in front of you know, this arena of about, I think it was 14, 15,000 people. And it was an incredible feeling. One, to, just to be able to talk about my work in front of so many people. But when we shared quiet, like when we were meditating for 10 minutes yeah. in an arena with that many people, and at the last 60 seconds of every meditation uh, that we led on that tour, um, it was total silence. We'd stop the sound balls, I wouldn't guide it. We would just sit in 60 seconds of pure quiet in an arena of 15,000 people. Mm-hmm. So there was something about that first tour stop. It just, it was, none of us had really ever felt anything like it before. Mm-hmm. So um, when I said goodbye to everybody and they were off to go on the rest of the tour, um, I felt this calling like, man, like we should be on this whole tour. <laughs> but um, again, just kind of going with, you know, yeah. nature decides. And then two days later, Mel called and she said, you know, we we really feel like the big quiet experience oh, so is a meaningful part of the show, and you know, Oprah really appreciated it. Could you come on tour for the whole thing? And uh, it was incredible. So then, for the next ten weeks, you know, yeah. we, we got to do that in arenas throughout the U.S. That's insane. It's such a beautiful art of surrender, too. Yeah, because you just like you knew intuitively, and what you asked, like deep down, you knew it was coming, and it happened. From there, like, what was the ripple effect even from there? And also in that journey, I do want to ask you this because I was curious to know. You were in New York. What brought you to L.A.? Where was that transition? Yeah, I was, so I was still in New York at this point. When yeah. did the transition happen and why L.A.? Right around right around then, actually. Um, it was right after the Oprah tour. Was like the Oprah tour ended and I moved to L.A. that week. And, um, yeah, I... Uh, so my family's from LA. Mm-hmm. I grew up here. I loved my 17 years in New York. I found that through the work that I do, especially with large events, mm-hmm. they can be so tiring, as I know you know, that being in an environment that felt really nurturing and supportive of my own personal well-being totally was so critical. This, yeah. And I just found that New York had that, but there was just an energy in New York that was so that could be so intense that ultimately I felt like I wanted to be here by my family mm-hmm. um, and be by the water, you know? So, yeah. So that's that's why I made that I made that choice, yeah. That's exactly how I feel about LA, especially when I go to New York in and out and everyone's like, you belong here, stay here, you should thrive here. I'm like, yeah, but I'm so like, I know that I need for the longevity of what I'm doing, I need to come back in my little safe little area <laughs> where I can hear a, just kids screaming outside. <laughs> like, I just need to be back here. That's the sounds that I need. Um, and I just feel like it's that, it comes back to that like inner knowing and knowing yourself so deeply of like what's gonna, where your heart is calling. Um, on the note of touring, so you mentioned that it was leaving you like feeling that, that pressure and that energy, like almost like it, it takes a lot out. What, cause you're not touring right now. So what, is the big quiet as of right now? What does it look like? Where did it kind of transition from touring? Tell us about that. <laughs> well, after the last tour stop, mm-hmm. after the last Oprah tour stop, that was March 7th, 2020. 
So five days later, the same week I pretty much settled into moving to LA, the pandemic lockdown kicked in. And, you know, we went from the big quiet, which is all about mass gatherings, Mm -hmm. to within one week of like the peak of us doing our mass gatherings, we went to we went into a world where mass gathering any type of gathering was yeah. the last thing anybody wanted to do and as the pandemic went as we went deeper and deeper into the pandemic mm. the more i realized it's going to be a while before we can do this again yeah a while <laughs> i just know you during the pandemic if i knew you that i bet you'd be like we're good so for the it's first work out. for the first three months mm. i was able to bring that attitude you know i was able to bring that that trust mm-hmm. and um and it was it was i'd surprise myself sometimes with having gone from such a big peak yeah. to then living with my parents and you know i just moved i didn't really have a place yet so living with my parents and the juxtaposition of like you know staying at the ritz traveling with oprah's team to you know being back in my high school bedroom where mm-hmm. all my work got canceled after literally getting the most inbound i'd ever had in my whole life wow. for work I surprised myself with that kind of deeper trust mm. and kind of intuitive sense that it would work out for about three months. <laughs> I was good for about th- three months. I was, I was good for about three months. Uh, I wound up moving into. Um, I rented a place in the canals in Venice mm. and set up shop to really go in on virtual. You know, it was clear that that was going to be the way to do my work for a while. <laughs> I'd only did in person before that. Yeah. Um, and it was this really, this really interesting thing was happening. I'm doing virtual. I'm doing these, these keynote talks and these guided meditations, getting paid like really meaningfully to do this work. And I'm reaching lots of people. I remember I did one that was 35,000 people, keynote, you know, virtual keynote, getting booked on TV to talk about how to be well during the yeah, pandemic. especially during that time. They're during that time. And while this was happening, I was feeling very unwell myself Mm. and I was losing my train of thought when I was giving keynotes. I'd guide meditations, forget my words. I was experiencing panic for the first time since I had my record label. I was feeling violently angry. It was literally all of the opposite of the benefits that I would talk about doing these big talks when I'm talking about meditation Mm -hmm. and it's getting worse and worse to the point where I just look so unwell. And I felt like I was this guy that was seen as this mindfulness expert, but I felt like I was losing my mind. Mm -hmm. And the imposter syndrome that was kicking in was very heavy. And I I realized that the house that I'd moved into where I set up my virtual studio had black mold, which I didn't really know was a thing until I learned that the type of mold that I had exposure to, that it was, remember we were only indoors from the pandemic, breathing it in and out 24 hours. It has, um, it can have really significant neurological damage. Um, And it really affected my brain and my body. And I didn't know if I was gonna get better. I had to move out of there. I moved back in with my parents. And this is right, by this point, I took probably one year from when I was on tour with Oprah. And I was so convinced that my work was done because who would want to hire, you know, a a figure in wellness that's not well, who would want to hire a meditation teacher whose own brain isn't functioning? Mm -hmm. You know, I was so convinced that all of this hard work was going to go to shit. And, you know, I can say this more confidently now. I'm a big believer that our thoughts create our reality. Mm-hmm. I live by that. And that we find the evidence for what we choose to believe. Yeah. And the more I chose to believe that my career was going to end, the, the more, more I told myself that reality. that was the case, the, the, the more real it became. My work slowed down. I pushed away. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe that I was, I was capable of delivering the message that I've been mm-hmm. delivering on tour with Oprah and for the, you know, five years before that. And, um, I pushed away from friends, my romantic partnership ended, and I kind of became a shell of myself. And I was very unwell, you know, I felt very sick. The healing process was very slow. Mm -hmm. So it was really challenging, you know, to go from such a peak to one year later at what felt like such a low. And that's when I really realized 
that although we've talked a lot about intuition and trust and a lot of these beautiful concepts, so much of my identity brings it back full circle. So much of my identity, my sense of worth, my ability to feel happiness was tied to how big the big quiet had become. Wow. The bigger it got, the larger the venue, the more people, you know, the, the higher the speaking fees, the Oprah, the whoever, mm-hmm. the more all that built up in me naturally, understandably. And then to reach this point one year later where it was all, I literally no at that point felt like it was all gone. Like it was silent. I didn't have any work. I had no revenue coming in. I had no romantic partner. I wasn't seeing friends. It was, it was literally the big quiet. I mean, it was wow. stillness. The opposite of what I thought, where I thought I'd be one year from finishing the Oprah tour, you know, that week before mm. the pandemic kicked in. <laughs> and, you know, the gift in it was that through that painful process mm. of letting go, I came back to, I was able to start, to, I kind of didn't have a choice, you know, it was like I was living my life looking at what I thought my life was going to look like and looking at what I had and feeling mm-hmm. like it was just like getting further and further away. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, it really forced me to see the good that still existed in my life. It's a really tough thing to do when we're experiencing pain. And it actually mm-hmm. can be one of these cliche toxic positivity things. But it actually was so necessary for me at a certain point to go, all right, yes, I'm in a tough spot. I'm having a little bit of a breakdown. Things do not go, are not going as planned. However, there is still a lot of good in my life. Mm-hmm. And every time my brain would go to that place of my friends are all excelling, I'm falling behind, I'd feel it for a second. And then I'd go, okay, but let me name a few things that actually are good in my world right now. Yeah. What are a couple of things that... I'm proud of myself for. And this became my daily practice. It was really cultivating that, uh, that, sense, of, that sense of worth and that mm-hmm. sense of love for myself that wasn't dependent on work, but was just dependent on me and the fact that I get to be on this earth and the beautiful people in my life and the things I have access to. And um, the more I built that up, the more I started to connect with something for the first time that I'd never experienced before, which was... Um, a feeling of happiness that wasn't tied to work. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> and it kind of came from, you know, inside of me. And from that place going into 2022, I had this whole new foundation and energy for how I could look at work and for how mm-hmm. I could look at, you know, my time on this planet. And it was the greatest gift because coming from that sort of inner place of happiness, it, sh- it shifted what I chose to give myself to with work and relationships yeah. and spend my time. And then, of course, from that place, my work really started to take off again because I was coming from something that was rooted more in a love for myself and a love for life. First off, thank you for sharing that yeah. story because it was so you're you always speak so much truth in your whole journey. You lead with vulnerability. But I really want to honor you for sharing that, because I think that by you sharing that vulnerability and and that time so many people listening can resonate with that and it's just takes a lot of courage to do that so thank you for sharing that and it's so crazy to me always when the universe throws you these curveballs how it's all how we our response to life determines what we get out of life yes and i always tell myself that with like certain things that i've been dealing with on a personal note and it's like it's sometimes these cards that i and you can play the why me oh i don't deserve this but it's it's I I will flip it and I'll always say like no I'm getting this like adversity because I can handle it yeah. and because it's a test because you're meant to do such great things in the world and you're meant to and like the things you're doing now you're meant to help so many more people it's like the universe is like Jesse you wait what's coming <laughs> yeah, right? will you wait but you have yeah. to go through this chapter and right. this devil of like it's a training. of a pain and like you have to be at the lowest of the lows to then help someone else through this because it's almost like if you didn't experience this level of pain, I always tell myself that when I'm going through a really hard time, I'm like, no, I'm just supposed to go through this because then I can actually relate to someone who's maybe going through this emotion in the future. And like when I work through this, you're able to help someone navigate. And it seems like that whole time that you went through that you were in it for like that whole journey it's such a beautiful, now you look back and it was the most beautiful, profound time 
because it made you who you are and it brought you to your partner today, the yes. life you have. And I think it's just such a beautiful, you're a really great storyteller. Cause Thank I can you. listen to you talk forever. The story of that whole journey into where you are now, it's, it, I hope someone listening, no matter what their story is, they can have that like light and inspiration that they can get out of it. And there's purpose in that pain because everyone goes through their own, their own stories and their yes. own unique experiences and no one's cards are the same but it's like what you can take away from someone's. And with everything you're doing today, <laughs> you know, you, you have a lot. And I think following you on social and like seeing you, and also we're so lucky to live in an environment like LA, especially on the West side. I feel like there's so much community and goodness here. You have done such an incredible job at cultivating community. And I witnessed that. And I know a lot of people are seeking that, craving that. And my whole advice always to people is like, if you don't live in an environment like LA, or like you don't, people see these communities or they see Dip Club, like I wish I could go, but I don't live in California or I don't live near it. Then I always say, create it, like create the community that you seek. So I wanna ask because you are the community king. <laughs> You've done such a great job at this. And what would be your advice for someone listening to start community for, and this could be related because I know we have a lot of founders listening, and a lot of people who have brands who maybe want to do it for their business. And I, you know, if you've been listening to this whole episode, you know, make sure it's come from a heart-centered place to build that community. But what is your tips to build community so someone can almost be the Jesse Israel of Michigan, <laughs> Toronto? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I agree with you that anybody can be a community leader mm -hmm. and can put themselves in a position of community building. I always encourage people to not, I encourage people to think about how they can start small with it. You know, just a few people coming together. I mean, any of the things that I've done, my burger club, Love you know, that. which went on to have, you know, chapters in Europe and, you know, throughout the That's US, crazy. the cyclones, my bike club, which, you know, has thousands of riders in various cities that, you know, take over seven blocks at a time when we'd ride bikes, the big quiet, we've already talked about Medi club, which is the meditation community that started before it. Mm -hmm. All these things started with a few people who came together around a simple shared purpose. And honestly, using the word purpose is too big. Uh, a simple shared activity. That's, that's the, honestly the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. What's a simple shared activity that you enjoy that you can gather, invite a few people to come be a part of and do with you? So mm -hmm. when it started with the Burger Boys, I love cheeseburgers. I invited 10 friends to come have burgers. And for every other week, for the next two years, we'd go to a different burger place. We'd eat burgers. It became this great story. We had this blog mm -hmm. that blew up. We started getting... Uh, restaurants would invite us to their restaurant to give That's us burgers so for fun. free. And meanwhile, while we're eating burgers, we're talking about real shit. You know, we're, we're going through life together. We're supporting each other. Mm -hmm. Then it was the Cyclones. It was, I love riding bikes. I used cyclones. to love riding bikes when I was a kid. Can I do that as an adult? Yeah. So I invited a few friends that had bikes. We went on a big bike ride, felt great. Summer day, as the sun was setting, we decided we'd be a bike club. Two weeks later, we'd go on another bike ride. Everybody told their friends, you know, 30 people mm -hmm. showed up by the end of the summer. It was hundreds of people. Same with Big Quiet, Medi you know, and, and Medi Club, starting with meditation. Yeah. A simple shared activity that you can do with other people. I love clubs. Mm -hmm. and, um, and when it's fun and when it's light, I think it's extra strong. It doesn't have to be the case, but I think it's extra strong. And that's the, with Dip Club, you know, this like little so fun cool. joke it's that strong. we're doing right now is, you know, we all, for those of us that live near the beach in LA, it's easy for a lot of us to not actually get in the water, go to the beach as much as we'd like. So we said, hey, 6.30 every Wednesday, whoever wants to come, we meet up at the beach, 6.45, we do a little connection exercise, mm. we all hold hands, we jump in the water, you know, watch the sunset, go home, dip that. club. <laughs> Anybody's <laughs> welcome. And then, you know, every week it grows. Mm -hmm. So what's that simple, fun thing that you can do with friends. Maybe it's a scary movie club, maybe it's a nacho yeah. club, right? Whatever, maybe it's a walking club. Mm -hmm. And for people that have businesses or brands and they want to 
build community, I encourage them to use the same format. I agree. Yeah. And it, and you know, think of something. Uh, you know, a, a great example that I thought worked really well was when Outdoor Voices. You know, which you know they they, they make clothing for being active. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were thinking about how they could build community, and at the time, their 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 founder Ty said, "Let's let's create a walking club." Uh, no, it wasn't a walking club; it was a running club. Let's create a running club, and you know they got together every so often. They created their own little rituals at the start of the meetups, and they'd all run yeah. together. And um, so these types of group activities are important. The other thing that I'll say that I think is really meaningful is to think about how the community member can actually contribute. How can they play a role in what you're doing? And to me, this is such an important thing for people to consider when they're thinking about community. It's, It's the difference between throwing an event and throwing a community gathering. So an event oftentimes will not necessarily involve the attendee. Maybe they're sitting in chairs, maybe they're watching people speak or they're seeing a band perform. Mm. That to me is more of an event. A community gathering is when we all play a role in doing the thing. Mm. We're all eating cheeseburgers. We're all sharing silence in an arena to create a mass meditation. We're all riding bikes. We're all jumping in the ocean, holding hands. How can the, how can the, the person that's there play a role in the thing that's happening? When somebody feels like they can contribute, they feel like they're a part of it. And when somebody feels like they're a part of something, that's when that real sense of community starts Mm. to kick. And that's when that feeling of belonging starts to occur. So how can people contribute? That's the other key piece. The magic sauce right there. That's the magic sauce. That's the magic. That's what you guys, you know, write (laughs) down, re-listen. I think too, when you bring intention to the things that you do, it changes the energy. So for me, I'm always, whenever I I host an event, um, I think about like, what's the intention I'm bringing to this? And I like to say the intention. So what is your intention behind you doing all of these community uh, gatherings? Because you have a lot. (laughs) So what's what's the intention? If you could just share that in like a one line of what your intention is behind it. Yeah. The thing that that I have felt myself when it comes to being parts of communities, Mm -hmm. there's that feeling that I think many of us can relate to. It's kind of like the opposite of the feeling of loneliness. When Mm -hmm. we've left a gathering where we really feel seen, we feel supported, we've we've done something that feels fun, we've met new people, maybe we've stepped out of our comfort zone. We leave and our our chests are a a little bit higher up. Mm-hmm. We feel a little bit more like, believing in ourselves, yeah. a little bit more alive, you know? Mm. And for me, like what I love about gathering people, it's also what I love about meditation. And it's that it helps just turn up the power inside someone. Like we are so powerful as humans. And in the world we live in today and how isolating we, it can be and how easy it is to fall in the trap of comparison and not enoughness. Yeah. When we are able to, be in space where we really feel like we belong with other people and we can really start to remember who we are, we turn up the power of the engine inside of ourselves. And we're able to move more into the world with that innate power that we all have. That's what I love about meditation. That's what I love about community. Um, That's what I love about the things, the practices we're talking about, like gratitude and celebrating what we have accepting life circumstances and trusting in the unfolding of nature, being of service, right? Being connected to a sense of purpose, all of these things dial up our power. Mm. And I think that that's obviously more than one sentence, but I think, no, I think that, um, keep going. I love it. (laughs) I think that, I think that's what it is for me. Community is just Mm. one of, you know, one of a few kind of key ingredients and how we can feel our most powerful while we're alive on this earth. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so pure to like evoke that in people as well. Like you as the facilitator of that and like the one who's like the glue creating it all and bringing it together, you probably feel so incredible and that's why I always am like, you know, if you don't feel like you are lit up, it's probably like when you're doing something of service, 
you feel incredible. It's so yeah. crazy how it works, right? When you do something for someone else, when you feel so shitty, go do something for someone else because you feel so good. Or when you work around like you being of service to others, it's so crazy how it ends up filling your cup like 10x. It's so true. You know, it, it's, it's interesting. I actually really want to, I'm glad you brought this up because I really want to highlight something. I have found that throughout my journey of doing this work, and all of the things we've talked about, especially with Big Quiet though, mm-hmm. that I have held these, these two, two distinct, very opposite things. They're actually not opposite, but they feel like they're opposite. One is what you just said. It's this feeling of, oh yeah, this is why I gather people. Oh yeah, this is why I give myself to my purpose. It's because I get to have this impact. It feels good. It serves a need. It uses my gifts. I feel alive. That's mm-hmm. the one thing that's held. And then... If you, you know, if we had a third mic here and my mentor, Johnny Pollard, who has been mentoring me through the whole eight years of the big quiet was here. And I said, Johnny, like, tell people the other side, the the side that people don't see. (laughs) Johnny, Johnny would tell you of the thousands of hours we've been in conversation where I have questioned myself. I have been so freaked out by money and things not working and. Um, questioning why I didn't take a safer, you know, more corporate job. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what Johnny would say to me is that, you know, in the process, in, in the pursuit of really giving ourselves to our purpose or following that light, following that thing that we want to do mm-hmm. and, and the ways that we give in the world, in the process of following that, we have moments where we remember who we are and why we do it. It's what you said. It's about mm-hmm. service. It's about contributing. It's about really impacting the world. And then we have moments when we forget. And that's mm-hmm. when we go into the Instagram world of, I'm not enough. My mom you know, said I should have never left Toronto. <laughs> Shout out to all the moms. All moms say this. <laughs> um, you know, My friends are all doing better than I am. It would be so much easier if I just took this safe job. It would be so much easier if I just made that or if I just met my person or if I just got that apartment or this house, those are the moments when we actually forget that deeper truth, Mm -hmm. the deeper truth that we're so powerful. We're all on this earth for important reasons. We're here to contribute. We're here to be with others. We're here to really serve. And if we're able to accept life's circumstances and really trust in the process Mm -hmm. of how nature unfolds, all the things that are happening, we can see that the life we're living, the highs, the lows, they're all happening for this really important reason. We're able to stay in this place of remembering and just enjoy the journey that is life. But I say that coming from this place of having so many moments where I forget that. Yeah. And the more we forget, the, the more we're able to live in periods of remembering. I could listen to you talk forever, <laughs> literally forever. I'm like, keep going. I can... Like I have so much more I want to talk to you about, but I I, I can't do it for the the podcast, the episode, <laughs> and it's killing me inside. But Jesse, this every part of your journey too, it's like such a beautiful reflection for anyone listening that no matter where you are in your journey, this time that you're in, it's serving you, and that you're exactly yes. where you're supposed to be That's always, right. even with the relationships. Like, I wanted to go in there, but I know we won't have enough time to dive into that. But you're in a beautiful relationship, and I'm sure you've dealt with other relationships that maybe weren't what it was right now, but those previous relationships brought you to Melissa, right? And I think it's such a deep inner trust and wisdom, and everything you kind of spoke about from what your your purpose, what you do, and the practices that you've cultivated, they just help you navigate through this crazy life because yes. it's like you could be right in the, the highs and then when the lows come, instead of being like, oh, no, this is not for me, you welcome it with open arms because you know that the universe has given it to you because you can handle it. And at the other side's even bigger blessings and abundance. Yes. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And it's so important to be reminded of that because on our own, it can be really easy to forget this. Mm-hmm. But that ultimately is the truth. And, and I hope when people feel like that, they just remember what you said. They remember what Jesse said. They take that 20 minutes. They go meditate. They go on a walk outside. They go to the water. They do, or whatever that grounds you. You know, you create that space. Because I find, like, if I'm feeling in this way, 
it's so crazy. Like we know, we know if you, I know like when I'm, things aren't going my way, if I'm having that day, I would be so much better off just taking a walk instead of like, oh, I'm going to fire away at some more emails. It's like, you know, intuitively, you always know, especially these listeners, like you guys are self-aware. So it's like, li- listen to that inner whisper always and just do the thing that will actually leave you better. Um, Amen. Jesse, on this note, what do you have coming up? Anything you want to plug? What's in the pipeline? Tell us where, well, have all your clubs too, <laughs> linked in the show notes. Where can people stay connected with you and also share anything you have upcoming that you yeah. want to talk about? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, on Instagram, Jesse Israel. Mm. <laughs> when it cut, co- so the big quiet, we're on a break right now. We did our last tour in the fall and we're just chilling. But um, keep an eye on The Big Quiet and yeah. at The Big Quiet and TheBigQuiet.com for, you know, upcoming events and things that we'll be doing. Um, you know, right now, I'm really I'm making more space for myself. And the two things that I'm focused on are keynote speaking at corporations. Mm. It's something that I'm loving doing is, is bringing a lot of what we're talking about into the workplace and helping people in, within companies. IRL, uh, because we're back, baby. <laughs> we are. Yes, it is mostly IRL. Um, but providing people with tools to practice a lot of the things that we're talking about within their mm-hmm. companies and in their personal lives. Um, so I've been loving keynote speaking um, and I love coaching leaders. I coach, mm-hmm. I coach uh, business founders, CEOs, and public figures. And I'll, again, it's a lot of the navigation of the things that we're talking about. So they can really have the ripple and the impact on the people that they lead and, and touch culture in the ways that they know that they're, they're ready to. Wow. So those are the things that I'm mostly focused on now. But yeah, we'll have other other cool stuff coming up with time. Mm, and the best way to connect with you on all those things is is social. Is yeah, yeah, my Instagram at Jesse Israel. We'll have that linked. Thanks. All below, <laughs> Jesse. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been such a treat. I've loved this convo. You too. I'm gonna re-listen to this a bunch of times. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> cool to hear. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I love the convo. Thank you guys so much for hanging out today and listening to this week's podcast with Jesse Israel. It would mean the world if you can share this episode with a friend, share it on social to your community because you inspire and light up the world through your positive actions and, you know, investing in yourself and your own personal growth and development. That truly helps this movement of the Coffee and a Good Vibe vision of really just sharing this message, growing this family, growing this community with the right high vibrational beings. It would mean so much. And I hope that wherever you're at in your beautiful day, you feel inspired, you feel uplifted, and you're just feeling all the good vibes. I will see you guys in the next one.